tape, uh, and it's Mark Barkley. Mark Barkley is gonna is talking here. Actually, this brother Copeland comes up and asks him. So brother Copeland's the one that's doing the asking, and then Mark Barkley, and it uh, he's asking him to do something and to to teach us something. And Mark Barkley is a pastor, and actually a pastor's pastor, in Midland, Michigan, and he's known throughout the United States in faith circles, and is just a real strong, 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 strong minister of God. Very powerful, uh, just awesome. We've been listening to him for years and uh, 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 really trains people for ministry, and he's just an awesome man. And uh, his background, though, is that he was in the um, he was in the Marine Corps, and so that's why Brother Copeland asked him to do this. So Barry's going to roll the tape, and then when we finish with that, we're going to pray, and then we'll have the word. Okay? So y'all listen to this with me. It's not that long, and just listen as he uh, plays this, and and then we will we'll go from there. Into my spirit, brother, yes. spirit of God, would you take a few moments? And tell this congregation, give us insight into what our combat troops need to have prayed over them. What, what, are, they, what are they thinking this morning? Loved it. Uh, and because and, you've been there. And what ministered to you while you were in the jungles of Southeast Asia? Be glad to. Thank you, Kenneth. Um, I normally would not do that, and most combat vets don't talk a lot about details. But um, uh, when Kenneth Copeland tells you to do something and um, he's the boss, you just say, yes, sir. Um, but in the other side of that, I'd be glad to, because I think uh, America is not always alerted to what we should be praying for and what the church really can do. Uh, in a quick summary of that, a combat troop today no matter where he's stationed, especially if he's in the combat zone, he has two or three things rushing through his mind. One is, I've got to do my job and I've got to do it perfectly because it's not an option. If I make one mistake today, myself or other people die. That's not an exaggeration. And that goes from the private rifleman to the special ops or special forces people that, or to the commanders. It only takes one person, when you're already under the enemy's scope or sights, to start other people dying. And uh, Matt could tell you this, he's a, he was a war pilot and some of you others are veterans. It doesn't matter if you're driving the tank, flying the plane, or you're beating feet on the ground. One mistake, and you know this, you wake up with this, you think this, you're constantly checking all your gear and you're constantly thinking about your mission and, and, and what is my part and when does it happen? And uh, that's a major way to pray because most combat troops are kids. They're 18, 19, 21, 23. Now, commanders will, will be more seasoned and older. But uh, the guy that's looking the enemy this far in the face normally is a very young man or woman. And so uh, the nervousness and the fear that you have to overcome and, and pull that courage out of your inner man that I can do this, I'm trained to do this, my people back home expect me to do this. My commanders have demanded me to do this, and therefore I shall do it. And, and, and all that mixed together is the number one way you could pray. In Vietnam, where I, I'm a veteran from, from the Marine Corps, uh, I had men 
in life and death situations under my command and I was 19 years old. We need to pray not just for the generals and the colonels, but the young non-commissioned officers that, are, that really would just like to, man, if I could just ask my mom and dad what to do right now. And yet all these other young people are around you that really they're the same you are, they just have lesser rank or less training. And so to pray that the non-commissioned officers and the young lieutenants, even the commissioned officers that are young in the field, that they would uh, rely upon their training and that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of love, the God who is love, if, if, he, if they can just hear His voice and have the confidence in their training, everything changes. Everything changes. And the third thing, now, in Southeast Asia, now, no offense to anybody that, that might have been squared away, um, I put 21 months in, and I was telling Happy, who's um, a former military man and my friend, and he, our, our chaplains then really were the, were the corpsmen. Our, our chaplains then, they smoked, they drank, they cussed. They, I don't know. I don't know why they were chaplains, to be honest with you. Not any ones I ever met. Now, again, there could have been some spiritual ones, but they weren't assigned to our task force. But that Navy corpsman, though he's a, just a medical person, man, he was there. Someone got shot, he was there. And, and a, a grenade, a mine, something blows up. That Navy corpsman, he's talking to God. I don't know if half of them knew God, but they knew how to talk to God. And they, Semper Fi, and they would uh, take a... They take body parts and throw a leg and an arm, and, and we'd hear them in combat right under fire. And, and they'd say, they'd be crying out, God, may that be that man's leg. May that be that the right parts I'm putting in here to ship this guy out. And so to pray for the chaplaincy, because now it's a different story. Like, like what we talked about, Colonel uh, Ammerman, and by the way, I salute you, sir, on, on what you've done. And he did turn down a lot of things and promotions and future military things to do this task. But now, we have born-again, spirit-filled, word of faith, chaplaincy in the war zone that know how to bind demons and anoint troops. And uh, this is a whole new... And, and I, you can say what you want to. I know part of it's technology, and I know part of it's advanced warfare, and part of it's advanced training that we didn't have 20, 30, 50 years ago. But I also know that the reason we fought the last Middle East war with, with extremely record-breaking casualties and the reason we're doing it now is because American troops and their allied forces, we have chaplains that are calling God on the scene of the battle and, and God's showing up for us. Amen. Amen. And so, zero in on these young leaders and, if I, and zero in that they'll hear the voice of God in your prayer time. Now, I like what Kenneth said. This is not a TV war. There are real rounds being fired here. There's a real enemy here, and they're vicious. And then, if I can say one last thing on that, every person, young or old, in the combat zone right now is taking out a picture of mom or dad or wife or daughter or new baby, and that's a dear thing. And, and their heart throbs every day. I'm going home and not to heaven. I'm going home. I'm going to see my baby grow up. I'm going to hold my wife tight. My mama is going to make me those pancakes that she makes me in the morning. My daddy's going to, going to hug me tight and tell me I did good. And, my friend. and so uh, there's work to do here, spiritual work. 
that those families know how to respond. And America knows how to respond. Now, if I can say something that's not quite so positive that you and I could pray, may, may our president, which, by the way, I think out of all military commanders in the White House since I've been alive, I salute this man. I like the way he's running the military. This is an awesome event. And, um, and, and you veterans, you know what I'm talking about. This is a commander-in-chief. He salutes the troops. I heard a report the other day, went into to a um, military man that was wounded to his hospital bed, uh, Mr. Bush did, and uh, President Bush, and he stood at attention and called the other people to attention and saluted and held the salute until the other soldier could return it. If you don't know military, you have no idea what a high honor that was for someone with such superiority and rank to initiate the salute and to hold it until it's returned is almost an unspoken and almost never seen event and probably hasn't happened in decades. And so uh, we have a good commander in chief. We have the best military we've ever had. We've got the best equipment we've ever had and we're not fighting because we like to fight. There's a definite, absolute, God-given reason why the United States of America has become the world's police force. And, uh, and I believe a lot of it has to do, of course, with liberty and freedom and, and keeping enemies of liberty and freedom in check. But it has just as much to do with spiritual reasons. And uh, America is going to stay strong regardless of doomsday prophets. America is going to stay strong and we are going to preach the gospel because we got the might and the power and the prosperity and if the church does their job, we'll keep all of that to keep the doors open where nobody ultimately is going to mess with us for very long and that means we keep preaching in every unknown spot of the world. Can I have an amen on it please? Thank you Kenneth. Praise God. Now if you hear on CNN that uh, there was a Jesse Gate. It's because everything here has been preached this week. And Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, that moves my heart. I don't know about yours. I tell you, it really moves me to think that 18, 19, 20, and 21-year-olds are the ones that are on the front lines of combat. And I just appreciate uh, Brother Barkley telling us how we can pray and teaching us and so I, I think we should pray tonight in those lines and along those lines I think it I just wanted our church to pray for our troops tonight I just wanted our church to to come in there and be a part of that and for us not to be over here living in our nice houses you know celebrating Valentine's Day and just pretending that all is well in the world when there's people Christians spirit-filled Christians that are out there fighting, you know, on our behalf and for us. I wanted us to, to at least lift our voices up on their behalf tonight. And I like what Brother Barkley said. It's, you know, it's, it is great that we're preserving liberty and freedom. And, and, you know, the United States is the world's police force, but it's more than that. There's a spiritual reason. There is, there is spiritual significance to us being in this war, and it's God's will for us to win this war and to win it quickly. And so I want us to, uh, you know, instead of worship tonight, that I believe it pleased God if we just took some time and lifted up our troops and prayed for them, prayed in the Spirit, and uh, covered them in prayer and... and uh, 
and just uh, be a part of that, uh, be a part of that. And then I think it's good that if we take that with us from here tonight. You know, sometimes we don't pray because we don't know how to pray. We don't really know exactly how we should pray. But, uh, you know, one of the things he said we could pray for was courage, that they would have courage, you know, and, and, and come against the fear that comes against them. And... Um, uh, he, as he mentioned several things there that, that the ways that we could pray for our troops and so I think it'd be good if we took it with us uh, from this place and, and, and you just individually remember that in our prayers it, God, it blesses God for us to, to pray for these things I remember when I was a little girl my uncle was in the military and um, he actually did two different rounds in Vietnam. He went for a year and then he came back and then he ended up going for another year. And my dad is, there's just two boys. My grandmother had two boys, my dad and, and Sam. And so my uncle Sam was in the army. He was a, a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. He was right there in the battle. But you know, I know my grandmother's prayers kept him alive. His wife, she, you know, she, of course they're Episcopalian, they're not, um, I mean, I guess they're Christian. I know Sam's a Christian because he was raised Baptist and he converted to Episcopalian. But anyway, with his wife and, you know, but they don't know Jesus like we know Jesus and they didn't know how to call on him. And, you know, she was having, she was raising three kids by herself while he's in Vietnam. She's having a nervous breakdown. I remember this as a little girl. I mean, she is, she is a basket case and she really was. And uh, my grandmother, though, I can remember going and staying with them and my grandparents all of my life. You know, they were just good Baptists. They didn't, at that point, they weren't baptized in the Holy Ghost. Later they were. But we would get down every night. We would do a... Uh, we would get down by the bed and kneel down by the bed and with all the revelation that we had every night we prayed for Sam and even as a little girl they would used to say I would say uh, bless all the men in the service you know uh, uh, of course just putting that in there but I was taught that and I know that my grandmother's prayers kept him alive through that. Now he's come home, he's had a lot of problems because of Vietnam and different things he's had to overcome, but uh, <clears throat> I tell you what, my grandmother kept him alive through two stints in Vietnam, my grandparents, both of them, because they prayed for him and kept him covered over there, and so um, in very dangerous situations. So, you know, it's important that we pray, and you know, there's some people that don't have a mama to pray for them, or a grandmother to pray for them. And you know, you've heard stories, and I've heard stories so many times about some people that, that grandmother's prayers. I heard something the other night. A man that uh, actually went to hell, and he was just in the clutches of hell. He cried out to God and said, he died, he cried out to God, and Jesus said... Jesus reached down and pulled him out, and Jesus told him, the reason I'm doing this is because of your grandmother's prayers. God, Jesus couldn't have. Jesus would have had to let him die and go to hell if grandmother hadn't been praying. And you know, some people don't have a grandmother. 
Some people don't have a mother or a daddy. Some people that have mothers and daddies, they don't even know God. They don't even know to pray. And so uh, we can make a difference tonight with our prayers. Amen. So let's, uh, why don't you stand up and you can, um, and let's just pray for a minute. Barry, um, um, I think we should play, put some music. It seems like the room's kind of empty if we don't. And so let's just pray in the spirit a minute. And then I'm going to have pastor come and pray a prayer. But we're going to pray specifically for our troops and and let's just go ahead and pray that they find Osama bin Laden too, okay? That God uncover him in the name of Jesus. You know, I, God could have uncovered him the first day. But I just have the unction in me that one reason God didn't uncover him the first day and show him is God wanted us to root out some other things. He, did, he wanted us to root out some other things first. Amen. And so let's just pray, okay? Pray in the Spirit with me. Show the heart that I'm going to Proverbs chapter 13. And let's have the word tonight. I tell you what. Glory to God. I do appreciate you flowing with me in the prayer. Um, you know, it, it takes a strong people to flow when there's no flow. To go where there's no flow. You know, I talked about the locomotive and the train that was going last night. Anybody can flow when the locomotive is plowing down the track. But a strong people, a spiritual people, can, 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 can go when there is no flow. You know, he, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, be instant, in season and out. Amen? Some people want to wait till the anointing hits them to pray in tongues. And, you know, they, oh, shakata bahasa, it hit me, you know. Well, I tell you what, I'd rather hit it. Amen. You know, not wait for it to hit me, I'll hit it. Yes. Amen? Yes. Praise God. <laughs> Y'all want me to do that again? <laughs> Joe does. Joe thought that was funny. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, you know, there, I, I'm telling you, you hitting it and you going when there's no flow is more spiritual than the person that, you know, and, and it hit them. And I mean, I'm all for the Holy Ghost hitting me. And I'm all for, you know, but, uh, but I tell you what, I'm not going to sit around waiting for it to hit me. And so that's what strong people do. And I, don't, I want you to be a strong church. Yeah. So we don't, we don't look around and say, well, you know, it's quiet in here. I don't care. Pray. You know, or we don't look around and say, well, we don't have any music. Or, or that music was kind of soft and reverent. Well, I don't care. Pray. There might be somebody's life hanging in the balance. Amen. Absolutely. There might be something, you know, and so we, we're, we're, we're strong. And we rely on, we, we, we act on the word. We don't act on a feeling. We don't act on an emotion. We don't act on a, 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 a Holy Ghost goosebump or a, you know, we don't act on those canes. I don't make me healed because I fell down in the floor. Like some people, they call some people just fall to be fallen. They call them the actually like in the big meetings, the ushers call them courtesy falls. People just fall out of a courtesy. Sometimes, and that don't mean you have to brace so you won't fall. Now I've seen people do that, brace, you know. But it don't make, it don't change anything whether you fall or not. You're not getting healed on the fall. Amen. It don't have anything to do with it. I don't care if you didn't. I don't care if you don't feel a thing. Doesn't change the anointing one bit. The anointing family is on the word. 
The anointing is not some goosey feeling out here in the atmosphere somewhere. And all of us, I like feelings. I mean, I like it when, you know, it, it's, it gets in my hands and it gets in my toes and it gets, you know, I like that. That's fun. But it don't change nothing. And it's an immature people that thinks it does. A strong people says, bless God, if I don't feel anything for the rest of my life, I'm healed. Amen. Amen. If I never see a cloud of glory, I know the anointing's here. If I never see an angel, I know they have charge over me. Amen. Amen. Now that is spiritual. That is strength. And that's what I want to be and that's what I want you to be. Let's pray tonight. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Father God, that we are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. We are disciples taught of the Lord. And great is our peace, prosperity, and undisturbed composure. Father, we thank you that we have established hearts. Our hearts are established on the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for building in us a rock-solid foundation in the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that we shall not be moved. That we are like trees planted by a river. And we bring forth fruit in every season. Thank you, Father, that this people is instant, in season and out. Father, thank you this people knows who they are in Christ. Thank you, Lord God, that these people are messengers to this county and this city. Messengers of truth. Thank you, Lord, that every person in this church knows their part, their destiny. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I like to do things different. I don't like to be in a rut. So, I mean, it was fine with me. You know, you can get in a Holy Ghost rut. I mean, in the sense of a Spirit-filled rut. And it's just the same as being in an old Baptist rut or something. I mean, and so I don't like to get in a rut. Do y'all? And so I think it's good to come to church sometimes and just pray. And I think it's good to come to church sometimes and, and just, to, just to have something different. Just to, you know, even Sunday night, you know, Wade Moore, he's a layman. He's not what you would call a five-fold minister. Well, when you have a layman, they have a different anointing. They're anointed, but they have a different anointing than you'd see on a five-fold ministry. I think it's good to, 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 to have that. And to have people, uh, and so, you know, there's just, there's not one certain way to do things. You know, in the New Testament, uh, Paul said that when you come together, one will have a psalm, one will have a hymn, one will have a tongue, one will have a revelation. You're to come not just to receive, but you're to come to give. And uh, so I, I just, I don't think God ever intended that we would get into, well, now we sing three songs, and then we do the offering, then we sing two songs, and then we, you know, so praise God for the opportunity tonight to do things different. And so I'm going to teach a little different tonight. We've been studying uh, wisdom from Proverbs. And so tonight, and there's all different ways to teach. Those of you that maybe have taught before know that there's all different kinds of teaching. 
uh, one of ways to teach is by a topic. We can do topical teaching, which we have done and, and seem like we mostly do that kind of teaching. But, you know, another way to teach is a line-by-line -line teaching. And so uh, for this chapter of Proverbs, we're going to go through Proverbs chapter 13, and we're going to go through it line-by-line. Line. Now, Proverbs 13 is a very uh, instructional proverb when it comes to, to living right and, and wisdom for living and, and, and covers several different areas. And so we're going to go through it line by line tonight and gain some and glean some truth out of it. But uh, I just wanted to talk to you. You know, we, um, we've, been, we've been talking about prayer a lot. And uh, we know, according to First uh, John 5, 14 and 15, that when we ask according to his will, amen, that we receive that we know that he hears us, and if he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And uh, we know that, um, according to Mark 11, 23 and 24, that uh, uh, when you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall have them. But I also want to teach you a balance to that, or uh, because I believe those things with all my heart. I meditate on uh, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. I meditate on 1 John, uh, is it chapter 2 or, verse, or chapter 3? I'm not sure where it says this is the confidence that we have in him uh, that if we um, uh, I started off wrong that's 5 14 and 15 it says uh, it, it talks about if our heart condemn us not if our heart condemn us not I'm, I'm kind of got the two scriptures mixed up together here but anyway I meditate on those things that if we come before God praying and our heart doesn't condemn us then have we confidence for before God and you know I meditate on that that and it's important that we have confidence in God it's important that our heart not condemn us when we come to him in prayer let's just turn over there I don't know I just seem like the Holy Ghost leading that way it's first John um, uh, uh, chapter 3 verse 21 it says, uh, and this is kind of the balance scripture. I, I, I knew I was going to talk about the balance, but the Holy Ghost just brought the scripture up in my heart then as I was talking. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And one of the things I wanted to say tonight, and Proverbs is just so rich with living and doing right, how to do right, how to live right, how to act right, how to talk right, how to, uh, how to uh, relate to other people right, um, how to walk uprightly. And Proverbs is rich with that kind of wisdom. And, uh, but in, you know, in faith circles, and I think sometimes we get a reputation because of this, that we want to we wanna slap the prayer of faith on everything. And we do. I mean, I don't, every prayer I pray is a prayer of faith. Every step I take is a step of faith. And that's what we need to be, and that's what we need to do. But I will tell you, this scripture is the balance to that because you cannot take a prayer of faith for finances or health or any anything, a prayer of faith in any realm that you are praying for, and you cannot use that as a uh, just a just a blanket and, and cover up things in our lives that have not been set right and are not being. Um, upright before God. In other words, the prayer of faith is not going to work if our lives aren't right. And so then we're not going to get our prayers answered. You know, if we aren't getting our prayers answered, there's two reasons. 
If we're praying the prayer of faith, one is method. We may be praying wrong because there's a way to pray. There's method and method. God is a grace God. But let me tell you something. Grace means this. God's already shown grace. He sent Jesus. Jesus, God's, Jesus' blood is His grace. God's Word is His grace. God's willingness to God's willingness to have us relate to Him by faith and not by works, that's His grace. His grace is not, I'm going to bend the rules, the, 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 the conditions I have set down for you and overlook the things that you are not responding to my word in. I'm, that's not grace. That's not what grace is. Grace is not, and some people just like, I don't care if I'm not doing it right, bend the rules for me, God. And they want that to be grace, but that's not grace. We are responsible. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We're responsible to get the knowledge of the Word of God. Amen? We're responsible for this Word. We're responsible to, to, to receive it, to glean from it, and to adapt our lives to it. Amen. And so the prayer of faith is not something we can paste over situations that we need to change in our lives. Amen. So two reasons our prayers might not be answered is method if we're not praying right. And I wanted to say right there about the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is not something you can pray for other people. Now, we are intercessors, and we intercede on behalf of other people, but there is a way to do that. But I cannot pray the prayer of faith for somebody else. In other words, I cannot say, Father, I ask you to make Lawrence's house payment for him. Lawrence needs to ask God. Lawrence needs to pray the prayer of faith for himself. I cannot believe that I receive when I pray for Lawrence's needs to be met. I can intercede. I can, I can intercede, and if Lawrence will cooperate with me, I can get in the prayer of agreement, and I can do some other things, but I'm just talking about getting out there. You know, sometimes we, we want to pray the, pray the prayer of faith for somebody who's over here doing their own thing, you know, living for the devil, doing drugs, and it's our child, though, and Lord, I'm just asking you to make their house payment. Well, he's probably not going to. You probably will, though. If it's your kid, you probably will. <laughs> so, so what'd you pray for? You might as well just gone and made it. Hallelujah, the truth. I mean, isn't that the truth? But anyway, so we, and, and then the other reason that our prayers don't get answered is motive. If our motive's not right, James tells us that too. He said, you have not because you, you ask not. Are you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss? That could be motive, but it also could be method. And uh, so we, we know we have to have our motives right when we're praying. We can have wrong motives in our prayers or we can have wrong methods. Our motives could be just as pure as anything, our heart's pure, and our method be wrong. You know, Brother Hagin says, you know, uh, uh, bless their uh, darling hearts and stupid heads, you know, and he's not meaning that. But, you know, we can be a darling in our heart. Just a darling before God in our heart. Our motive just so right. But, you know, be and have our method, our just method just be totally messed up. And so we have to have those things right 
in our lives, if we're going to have confidence towards God, it, we, we've got to be able to come before God and we've got to be able to know that as far as our understanding is concerned, we're right with him. And we also, uh, we can't be just like, well, I'm not going to read now Proverbs because I don't want to have to correct anything in my life. No, not only do we have to have confidence because we're right before God, but he said there, because we obey his commands, we're responsible to find out what the word of God God says. And so tonight we're going to do a line by line in Proverbs chapter 13, seeing what the Word of God says in some areas of living. And one thing the first verse says is a wise son. You know, I like what pastor's been telling us, and it's true, we're not servants, we're sons. Amen. Amen. Now we have an attitude of a servant because we love to serve God, but we are not servants. We are the sons of God. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, and we are the sons of God. And it says, a wise son heareth his father's instruction. Well, that would stand to reason that if we're not willing to hear his instruction, we're not wise. But a wise son hears his father's instruction. Well, this book is our father's instruction to us. Amen. Praise God. And we're learning more about it every day. But a scorner heareth not rebuke. Uh, I looked up that um, word, uh, mm, in, uh, uh, scorner, and it, said, and it actually means a mocker or someone that's just not willing to receive. And so we have to not be scorners. I was listening to a Happy Caldwell preach. I shared this with the ladies at the ladies' meeting, but I'll share it with y'all. Um, <clears throat> and Happy Caldwell uh, said that he had made, now Happy Caldwell's a pastor in Little Rock, Arkansas, well-known in faith circles, been around a real, real long time. And um, he said that he had made some bad business decisions, some bad administrative decisions. In other words, he had missed God, made some wrong decisions. And so he said he went to God based on uh, Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. And it says, um, and, well, we might ought to turn over there just so you'll know for sure what it says. He said he repented, first of all, for making the wrong business decisions or administrative decisions is how he put it. He said it both ways, so I don't know what he was referring to. But, you know, we, make, we can make wrong decisions. Amen. And he said he did. And he said he went to God based on Psalm 1-3. And he said, um, Lord, according to Psalm 1-3, you said that and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so he went to God based on Psalm 1-3. And he said, now, Father, I repent for making those wrong decisions. But I am asking you, according to Psalm 1-3, because I am the righteous, and you said whatever I did would prosper, I'm asking you to prosper it anyway. And he wasn't meaning like prosper it. He was meaning, in other words, don't let this cost me. Help me to get out of this situation without it costing me because I've realized it was a bad decision. And so he's not talking about, you know, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep going with this you know, and you prosper it. He's saying, no, Lord, help me get out of this without it costing me. Prosper this. And the Lord said, I will answer your prayer based on that scripture if you'll meet the conditions. 
And he said, oh, okay, well, what are the conditions? And he had to go back up into Psalm 1 and verse 3. And it says his delight is in the law of the Lord but, and so forth. But in verse 1, he said the Lord uh, dealt with him and says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And... Um, he he uh, he began said God began to and this is another meaning of the word scornful. He said the Lord began to deal with him about being scornful, about being critical, and he said you're going to have to meet that condition and quit being scornful and critical and judgmental if you want me to do what you've asked me to do. And he said. Well, Lord, uh, okay, and he said, and he said, and this is where God really got him. He got, you know, hit him right where it hurts. He said, you're going to have to quit being scornful where the media is concerned. And he said, he said, I said to the Lord, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. He said, I don't like them. I I, they, they are they are wicked. They lie. They they do harm to the church. They do harm to the cause of God in America. They're biased, and He's given the Lord all these things. And the Lord said, "You know, but you have got to be quit being scornful when it comes to the media." And so he dealt with his life, and he agreed to comply and to, to lay down his hatchet, I guess you could say, when it came to the media, and God honored his side of the promise. You know, the, the promises of God have conditions. Every promise you'll find in the Word of God, if you look back up a verse or two, you're going to find there's conditions there. Amen? Amen? And, you know, a lot of times we like to just pull out the promise box and get the promise, and we don't even think about there being a condition to it, do we? <laughs> it's like we don't want to think about that. I know uh, I had a friend, and she said, uh, 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 what is that? Uh, and she was believing God for the hundredfold return. And, you know, when it talks about the hundredfold return, it says that when you get the hundredfold return with it, you get tribulation. And she said when she used to read that verse, she covered up that part with her thumb in the Bible. No, if you're going to have the hundredfold return, you've got to get prepared to handle the tribulation. God promised us that with the hundredfold return comes tribulation. You know, the devil doesn't lay down and let you get the hundredfold return. He's going to try to persecute you. He's going to try to uh, spread lies about you. He, you know, sometimes you start getting the hundredfold return, your neighbors start saying they're dealing drugs over there. Well, my Lord, look how, you know, look how they're prospering because they never knew anybody could prosper unless they was dealing drugs, you know, or something. Um, but anyway, there's all manner of things that the devil will throw out against you when you begin to come into harvest, into the prosperity plan. And, you know, it doesn't matter how much we hold our thumb over it. Actually holding our thumb over it's not going to get us prepared for it, is it? We got to get to be established like we was talking about before. Get, you know, it, and that's, you know, that, that, it's so important that we be able to stir up prayer and go instant into prayer and not be moved by, well, somebody might hear me or, you know, it's quiet in this room. But no, we're, we're strong and we take charge of the situation because if we can do that where prayer is concerned, then we'll be strong enough on the inside to handle the things that the devil tries to bring when we try to take hold of the promises of God. Every time you take hold of a new revelation, Lawrence, the devil opposes it. 
every time you hear a new revelation and you take hold of it, the devil opposes it. When you take hold of, by his stripes I am healed, bless God I'm healed. I was healed 2,000 years ago. I'm the healed of the Lord. What's You know what? You're going to immediately, probably within a day or two, you're going to get the opportunity. The, the God does not test you, but the devil tests and tries you concerning the words you speak. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells you, don't you ever say you're being tested and tried by God. Amen. You're not. The only tests God gives ever are tests of obedience. Make note of this and write it down. God never gives any tests but tests of obedience. In other words, he'll say, Eric, I want you to give Joe $10. That's a test. It's a test of obedience. Will Eric listen to me? Will he obey me? Or is he going to reason it out and say, Joe don't need $10? I know Joe don't need $10. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, Joe may need $10 just not because he needs $10. He may need $10 just so Joe will know his faith is working. Amen. Joe may need $10 just to know that day that God loves him. Amen. So God does give tests, but the only tests he gives are tests of obedience. But I'm telling you, the devil comes with all sorts of tests and temptations, and he comes with tests. He tries the words you've spoken. He wants to know if you really believe it or if you're just parroting something pastor said. And he will push you and push you when you're first, especially when you first make a stand on something. He will push you and push you and push you and pressure you and pressure you and pressure you. He's he, and and then he'll you he might let up a day and he'll come back and he'll pressure you again. And you may maybe if it's in the area of healing, he'll your knee will hurt. You'll get the victory on that, and the next day it'll be your shoulder. <laughs> Because he'll, he'll come at you. He, he, he's a smart devil. N not real smart, but I mean he's experienced. That's a better word. He's not smart, but he's experienced. He's been doing this a lot of years. Amen. Amen. And he's brought many a Christian down. Amen. Amen. So he knows how to pressure Christians. Doesn't he? Amen. Amen. And you know, have you ever felt like all hell broke loose? I've noticed that when I'm going through a trial uh, and the devil's pressuring me, he don't just come at me at one area. Usually he'll come at you in two or three areas at one time. You know, he may, he may come at you financially. You get a big bill in the mail and, then he, you, and, and you'll be fighting the faith battle in your health too. Amen. And then, you know, that day you'll have a big blow up and you and your husband will have a fight. It's just like how much, you know, and it's like, God, it's just coming at me in every direction. It's the devil. Amen. He's trying to steal the word. He's trying to get you to back down. He's trying to get you to say something contrary to his word. I don't know if we're going to do a line by line or not, you know. <laughs> He's trying to get you to do, say something contrary to God's word. Amen. And we have to be strong enough to hold our ground. 
And that brings us to some of the scriptures that are in Proverbs, so we'll go on with that. Uh, so um, it, and it says in verse 2, hey, God just knows what he's doing. He says, a man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, verse 2, but the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Some people just got diarrhea of the mouth. It's just running out of them. Doubt and unbelief just running out of them. You know, just, you know, come to church and pray. I believe I receive and go home and moan about how it hurts. Amen. And you know, we all want to do that. I've told you before, I like sympathy. I really do. You know, and sometimes us women, we want to use it to get, you know, some little help around the house, you know, or to get taken out to eat. Or, you know, <laughs> you know, women can be conniving. Did you know that? No. no. Now, men have their own set of problems. I mean, their own set of little things to overcome. Don't get so happy about it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the devil's trying to get us to not keep our mouth. And we've got, we've been talking about being strong tonight. We got to be strong enough. And you know, it takes, you, you're not going to, the devil will try to wear you down. That's why we got to have daily food. That's why we got to feed our faith daily. And you know, sometimes we look at it wrong. We go, oh, I got to read the word. Well, we need to look at it like I got to feed my faith. And if we'll look at it like I'm feeding myself. And you know, we can't just feed ourselves one uh, poor little sermon a week on Sunday morning and think we're going to overcome in life and we're going to, the devil can, the devil's going to be able to get at that pretty easy. Amen? Amen? Amen. And you know, so we got to we got to do what it takes to stay encouraged. We got to do what it takes to keep our faith, to keep, and you know what, I found it doesn't take a lot, a lot of times. To feed me. And I think I found that, you know, that variety is the best when it comes to feeding yourself. And I've also found that it's best to follow the Holy Ghost when it comes to feeding yourself. We like to get under the law. The devil likes to get us under the law. He likes to, for us to get up in the morning. You know, in our, if we will let the Holy Spirit lead us through our spirit, he will. And you know, there's times, and I've told this before, but I'll tell it again because some of you didn't catch it the first time. But, um, you know, um, sometimes I'll go to bed, maybe I've read a book right before I went to bed. Or maybe I've been listening to a tape. A lot of times that's what I've been doing, listening to tape. And even in the morning when I wake up, I'll find myself with kind of an excitement. And you know, our spiritual life, our devotional life is supposed to be exciting. Amen. And I'll find myself like, oh man, I'd like to listen to that tape. But the devil will tell you, you need to read the Word. The devil will tell you, no, uh, 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 you can't listen to that tape. You can't listen to that tape. You hadn't prayed yet. Amen. The Bible says we're the sons of God. We're to be led by the Spirit of God. The whole issue is not to see how much of this that you can read every day. This is not a... Uh, a uh, a check-off thing. I read chapter 13. I read chapter 14. I read chapter 15. No, the object is to feed your faith. It'd be better to have one, one chapter in the Bible and feed your faith the rest of your life. If that's, Of course, that won't happen. But if it did happen, then to, to, to say, well, I read the whole thing 595 times in my life. Well, did you have any faith? Well, no, not really. Well, you know, it is hard to get faith out of some chapters. Have you all noticed that? 
Man, you can work hard to get faith out of Leviticus. Amen. 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 So I need to feed my faith. Because why? Because I've got to keep my mouth. Because he that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Then it goes on and says, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. He tells us right here that if we want our desires, what are we going to have to be? Diligent. If we want our desires in life, we're going to have to be diligent. See, the sluggard has desires, but the sluggard's not ever going to have their desires. we not, We got to be diligent. God intended, we can't put the prayer of faith over a lack of diligence lifestyle. The prayer of faith is not going to work well when we're not doing the things in life, even the natural things in life, that, that make for a diligent lifestyle. And you can see this really easily if I use this example. There's a diligence that we have where we get up in the morning, I know y'all do, and you take shower, and you use a soap, and you put on deodorant, and you shave or at least trim up and make it look better, and uh, you uh, clean your ears out with the Q-tips, and, uh, uh, and, and I don't guess y'all want me to go through the whole thing, do you? <laughs> We blow it dry and we curl it and we do all sorts of things. And you know, you could say that stuff doesn't count, but that stuff does count. Those kind of things make the prayer of faith work in our lives. See, we can be praying for a new job and have bad breath and miss it. We got to be diligent. Some people just don't want to be diligent. Some people just aren't diligent. Sometimes I, I know uh, women like, well, God, I don't understand. You know, I want a new house. I want this. And then and they're just, they're just, they're just sloppy in the things they do. No, it says the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. We got to be diligent. And you know what? I, I've noticed that it doesn't take a big Bible revelation that nobody ever had to teach me to get up in the morning and be diligent. Now, it helps if parents teach us. But I noticed that before I was ever filled with the Spirit, ever heard good Bible teaching, you know, that um, there's just something inside me that knew I need to sweep and mop the floor. I need to do the laundry. Amen. That I needed to comb my hair. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I remember my daddy, he, he gave me some help a few times on some of those kind of things. I remember one time he said, Debbie, don't ever come to the breakfast table again with your hair not combed. I remember him telling me that one time when I was a little girl. Don't ever come to the breakfast table again with your hair not combed. I tell you to this day, if my daddy's at my house, I don't walk out of my bedroom without my hair combed. I still have a godly reverence and fear for my daddy. I remember one time he said, Debbie, I was in high school. You know, I went through a little stage. You know, kids can go through stages. And he'd come home about five days in a row and my bed hadn't been made. He said, Debbie, 
I better not ever come home from work again and your bed not made. Amen. Hallelujah. Guess what? I wouldn't dream of it. I just wouldn't dream of it. It's hard for me not to make my bed. Every once in a while I don't. So parents can help us. But I tell you, even there's something inside of us put there by God that says, be diligent. Be diligent. Be diligent. We need to take, we need to take a checkup on our diligence. We can let it slip in some areas. Well, you know, sometimes I'll say this, even times as older people want to let their diligence slip. You know, I remember some of our grandparents. They got where they didn't want to dust. They wanted to quilt instead of dust. And you'd go to their house, and they had a really nice house, I mean, and a really pretty house, new house, but we'd rather quilt than dust. Well, you know, the truth was, they could have hired the dust and done. They had the money. Hallelujah. We need to be diligent. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're not getting very far, but we sure are having fun. A righteous man hateth lying. This is verse 5. But a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. We need to hate lying. Did y'all know that lying is never appropriate? L lying is never right. There's no such thing as a white lie. There's no such thing as a line to keep from hurting somebody's feelings. It'd be better to plead the fifth, wouldn't it? Yeah. Than to lie. <laughs> Amen. It'd be better to say, you know, I really just can't talk about that. There's been times even when, uh, uh, you know, concerning my good confession. Maybe I'm believing God for something. Maybe I'm standing for healing. And pastor would say something to me. And I'd just say, well... I just can't talk about that right now. I knew if I talked about it, I'd make a bad confession. Everything in me wanted to make a bad confession. So it's like, I, I just can't talk about that right now. Did y'all ever think about saying to somebody, I just can't talk about that right now? Amen. I'm just not at liberty to say. Amen. You know what? We need to care more what God thinks than what people think. The Bible says the fear of man's a snare. It's a trap. It'll get you over in places you don't want to be. We got to fear God. We got to fear Him. Somebody say, you, "Do you like my hair?" I plead the fifth. <laughs> you might have to say that. Do you like my hair? Uh, you're a blessing, sister. Did you ever think about changing the subject? Was that you, Danita, that told me that your daddy said? What did he say? I thought this was such good wisdom. If somebody asks you a question you don't want to answer, just ask them a question back. I thought, well, how smart. Why didn't I think of that? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, do you like my hair? Well, you know, what color is your real hair? <laughs> you know, think of I mean, something. You know, distract them. Uh, distract them. <laughs> they may throw you one back on that. They may not want it. They may say only my hairdresser knows for sure something. Hallelujah, but a righteous man hateth lying. How bad do you hate lying? You know, there's a principle that says <clears throat> that the deceiver always becomes deceived. Anytime we deceive somebody else, we end up getting deceived. 
So we got to be careful with lying because what is lying? Lying is deception, isn't it? We'll just go just a minute more. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you all night. Right, verse 6, Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Now, you know, I believe this verse, verse 7, and you can give me your explanation if you see it different. But in my interpretation, and I know I read the Amplified and I read all that, and I thought it, you know, sometimes the Amplified clarifies and sometimes it muddies it up. And I thought it muddied it pretty good in this, <laughs> in this and I like the Amplified, but, you know, it's not, it's not good on everything. But it says, um, I believe God's talking about giving here. You know, you can make yourself rich. And you can have, you can be loaded. The, word call, the, the, the world calls it loaded. Man, that man, he's just loaded. You can be loaded with money. But how many of you know that it's just paper? Amen. When you get right down to it, the Bible says that moth and rust doth corrupt. Amen. How many of you know that whoever had something in Enron, moth and rust did corrupt? Amen. And lying and stealing and... And the love of money, which is the root of all evil. And, and it'll always be that way and it'll never change. Amen. Amen. So sometimes men in there, uh, they make themselves rich. They hoard up money for themselves. And uh, yet they are the poorest of poor. And a lot of times even Christians do this. They put their trust in some savings account. And the Bible says that there is that one, though, that maketh himself poor. In other words, they may continually give and, and, and pour out and really could have had... You know, Pastor and I sometimes think about, and we don't do it in a regretful way. We do it in an expectation sort of way. Well, you know, if all the money we had given in the last 20 years... If we'd invested it in Walmart stock, 1980, when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. But we put our money where moth and rust did not corrupt. You know what? You know what we did? We made ourselves poor in one sense, but really what we did, and it's hid to the world, is we made ourselves rich. Amen. You don't know it, but we are so rich. Our bank account is not on earth. Our bank account is in heaven. Amen. But I'm telling you, it's got a hundredfold return in it. It don't just have 10% or 15% or even 25%, which would be so good if you could do something like that. You know, if you could make 25% on your money. You know, but no, I got a hundredfold return. My bank account is in heaven, just like yours is. And you know what? It's accessible to me. You say, yeah, but no, it's accessible to me anytime. I'll never be forsaken. My seed will never beg for bread. Amen. I know who my Redeemer is. And those things I've committed to Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I've made myself poor in one sense. But it's, 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 it's hidden from the world. I'm probably one of the richest men and women in town. You, you probably are too. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, do you have a big bank account in heaven? Man, I got, and I'm putting more into it every day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
I'm putting, I'm just, I just love to get seed in the ground. I just love to get seed in the ground. I liked what they said at Church of Judah last night. How, who was there? Anybody was, Kim was there and James and Myron. I, I don't, I couldn't hear all that. I mean, I didn't get tuned. But they, they had the, they took up the offering and then they held the buckets up at the front and a group came around. I guess they were the offering prayers. I don't know what they call those people, but they just, they knew they were supposed to. They just came out of the congregation, came up there to the offering and they made a confession and I didn't catch all of it. I don't know where they started, but uh, it went something like this. What I gave in a year, I'll give in a month. What I gave in a month, I'll give in a week. What I gave in a week, I'll give in a day. And what I, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Does anybody remember better than me? Where'd they start? I, I didn't either. I missed something in the first part of it. You know, uh, but anyway, praise God. I don't, I, I got a heavenly bank account. I can withdraw any time. All I have to do is say, Father, I have a need. Father, I have a need. Father, I've got a need. I can even say, Father, I got a desire. I got a desire. You know, we need to start talking like that. That's covenant talk. That's covenant talk. I don't know about you, but I, I, I am, if, if I even think my kids want something, I, I go try to find, start getting it. Now, I know everything they want, I can't get. I mean, Eric wants a new boat. Right now, I just, I, you know, I'm hooked up with him. I even bought him, you know, those little jars that you can buy in the gift shops? And I think one of them says, Ashes of Dead Lovers. And <laughs> No, ex-lovers, not dead lovers, ex-lovers. <laughs> Forgive me. You know, <laughs> dead lovers. I mean, you know, they say something on every jar. Some of them are real carnal like that. Have y'all seen those? Well, one of them said, New Boat Fund. So I, I got, you know, I hooked up everywhere I could. I couldn't buy him the boat. So I, I hooked up, though. I got him the jar that says new boat fund. I just want my kids. You know, I, I just, I sit and, you know, before Christmas, and, and, you know, sometimes, boys, it's hard to get out of them what they want. You know? And I start, I think of things that I think they'd like to have. Amen. And I try to think like they do. My boys, they know they dress conservative. They don't want no red shirts. I love red shirts. He, Pastor loves to wear a red shirt. My boys don't want to wear a red shirt. Don't they don't like stripes? So, you know, I, I try to think like they think. So when I go to the store, I just go buy the red shirts that, you know, that I like. Oh, I like red. more. I like it red, you know. Boy, red, that's the color. I go buy everything yellow, uh, and you know, and what he calls the tablecloth shirts. You know, sometimes I'll wear a dress and they say, it looks like, Mom, it looks like a tablecloth. I'll wear a dress. That means it's checked or, you know, something. Well, my boys don't want no tablecloth shirts, they said. You know, well, I try to think like they think. Amen? Why? Because I love them. I want to please them. I want them to have the desires of their heart. I stretch just as far as I can. And a lot of times I go beyond what I can. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I do. Why? Because I love them. It's in my nature. I've got the nature of God in me. It's in my nature to give. 
Hallelujah. I don't care what it does to the credit card. Amen. I mean, if I'm believing for it all to be paid for. You understand. But if that ain't possible, I just get the plastic out. Y'all may not disagree with that. And I know we have to use wisdom, and I do use wisdom. I, pull, I use lots of restraint. I can tell you, I use lots of restraint. But I make sure they're blessed. My point is, I make sure they're blessed. I do the same thing. I mean, Eric likes cherry pie. Cherry pie is the thing with Eric. That's it. Cherry pie. So, you know, I don't go so far as to bake cherry pies. I mean, that's a little more love than I am capable of generating at this point. <laughs> but I buy the cherry pies in the store, you know. I, and, you know, when I go to the grocery store, I get the kind of cookies he likes. I get the kind of, um, uh, you know, I make sure, you know, he's got... Uh, Pop-Tarts for breakfast. You know, I'm not going to cook breakfast, but I'll get the Pop-Tarts, the right flavor. And hallelujah. Glory. See, you got that same heart. Amen. You want them blessed. You want them blessed. God wants you blessed. He doesn't say, no, you can't have anything out of your account right now. Amen. We... You know, we need to just come to him based on covenant. We need to start treating him like he was a father. Amen. We need to say, Father, I got a need right now. We need to say, Father, I got a desire right now. I've even told the Lord this. God, I got a desire. Now I'm giving you two choices. Take this desire away or fulfill it. I did give him the option if he wants to take the desire away. I've had him take desires away. Have you ever wanted one something one day and a week later you didn't want it? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Let's stand up together. Well, we didn't get very far in our line by line, but we tried so hard. God has a Father's heart toward